Hi, and welcome to The Badass Moms, where we moms learn to achieve fitness and health goals despite being sleep-deprived and overworked. Here's your host, Nicole, the super busy mommy coach. Hello, and welcome to Badass Moms, brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. I'm Nicole Cruz, super busy mommy coach. Before I introduce my guests, I want to let you know that I am taking applications for one-on-one coaching. So if you're interested, the easiest way to apply is to send me a message at superbusymommycoach on Facebook or Instagram. You can also go to superbusymommycoach.com, but it's more direct to just message me. All right, today I am super excited to introduce Tyler Charlebois. Um, I have a feeling this is going to be a multi-part, <laughs> multi-episode conversation because we can just go at it for hours. <laughs> Tyler is a peak performance coach specializing in helping people change their emotional and relationship habits. He's helped people from suicidal situations all the way to trying to find a good date for themselves. He helps people master their inner world so that they can have anything they want on the outside world. Tyler, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. I appreciate the warm welcome. That's awesome. Excited to be here. Yeah. So, you know, let's jump in. How did you get into this world of emotional and relationship habits? Yeah. So great question. Um, When I was... As, as little as I can remember, literally in elementary school, I remember just like wanting to understand like the bullies and stuff in school. Cause I was such just a nice, like warm hearted little boy. And, uh, it started from there. Realistically, I was like, what is making them do this? Like, I don't know why they're being mean. And then, you know, I get to, uh, you know, grade eight to have my first heartbreak and I'm like, Oh my God. And so I wanted to understand, you know, my emotions there. And even like started to want to understand relationship a bit, a little bit. Cause like, I thought I was going to marry her. Um, and I didn't. <laughs> Sorry to break that up. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, uh, and then I got to high school and things changed. And it was like, I started to notice this pattern that like, it was like the cool thing to be depressed, like to have depression. And I was so curious about it. Cause I was like, these people who were telling me that they had depression or had anger management issues or what else, you know, uh, anxiety disorder, whatever, all these things. And I was like, what is going on here? Cause they're telling me and I'm hearing it, but they sound fine. Like they're smiling as they tell me they're having a good time. So I'm like, to me, that doesn't sound like it makes sense. But I'm like, okay, no, you don't know the deal, you know, carry on with life. And then I started to get into my own relationships and I couldn't make it last longer than like 40 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, what am I doing wrong here? So I was like, all right, emotions, I'm confused about them. Relationships, I'm confused about them. So I started just like looking up everything I possibly humanly could. And ironically, Though I couldn't seem to keep my own relationship, um, and I was kind of a hothead myself then, there was something I had I was like uber curious. I was just curious all the time. And so I used this to understand myself and relationships. And when I started to like get like some kind of insightful answers, uh, plus I'm just a super um, heart, uh, heart, pardon me, heart-centered person when it's like I feel for people. So I use my curiosity and my level of like caring about people to get these answers. And I started to notice some patterns, you know, about like emotions and relationships and stuff. So I kind of became like the, the go-to fix-it guy, like Mr. Solution in high school. And it was for like stupid things from like, dude, how do I, how do I talk to that girl? To, you know, girls coming up to me like, oh, my guy's being mean. Like, what do I do? Or, oh, my God, what do I say to him? He said he liked me. Like, all the things. 
Um, all the way down to when I noticed that people would say, oh, well, Tyler, like I'm really depressed or whatever. Um, and I'd be talking to them and I'd see that like I could make them laugh and stuff for like long periods of time. And so I was like, okay, there's something going on here deeper and I need to understand it. So essentially after high school, you know, thinking about college and stuff, I was like, well, maybe I want to go to school for, to be a therapist. And when I was searching up that stuff, I was like, nothing was popping out at me. I didn't like the idea of sitting down with somebody for, I don't know, weeks, months, years, whatever it happened to be decades these days. And I was like, I don't really like the idea of just talking to them. Like, I was like, I get it. But in my personal opinion, I was like, talking to them doesn't seem like it's doing the job because if it did, they shouldn't need to be there. Probably shouldn't, pardon me, need to be there months or years down the road, especially years. I was like, there's got to be something, there's something interesting about that. Um, and so a little bit later on, um, I found somebody who started to, you know, they were getting results in like, like one session that people, from who people, from people who had phobias to people who were suicidal to people who had like disassociative personality disorder and all these crazy things all the way to like, how do I build confidence? And so I was like, okay, this is someone I need to learn from. And so when I started to notice all these patterns and learn them, I brought them into my own life and got rid of the anger. I don't even experience anger now unless I want to. And it sounds weird, but like, I find it can be a tool, you know, it can be a tool sometimes to get a boost of energy and get something done, but it's not, it's not sustainable. So I got a hold of my own emotions and now I'm like playful all the time. I started to get a hold of my own, uh, my relationships and understood like why I couldn't hold on to them in high school. And like, I began to realize, you know, how to make that work and make it sustainably passionate. And so I just started helping other people with this and it became my passion very quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a great background story, but you focus on relationships through the lens of habits and emotions through the lens of habits. It's not about yes. introspection necessarily. It's habits. Yes. Why habits? So I, I love this question. So what I began to realize when I was studying relationships and studying um, emotions, because that's where it came from. I was like, I need to understand these two because they seem to go hand in hand anyway. What I realized was that our emotions are habits. And I know to the listeners right now, you might be thinking, what does it even mean? So we are doing our emotions and we just don't realize it, but we get into such a pattern of doing it that it's like if anyone's listening who, who drives a car, probably most of the audience, right? If you've ever, or something else, but I'll use car as the analogy. In the beginning, when you did, when you got in your car, you had to like figure out where's the, where's the addiction, my seatbelt, you were consciously doing everything, consciously driving, driving down the road, but then you do it three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 200,000 times. And you're just, you, you leave your house and you get to your destination. And then you're like, I don't even remember getting in the car. Like, it's just so unconscious. You're doing it unconsciously. So it's ha uh, habituated. So I realized our emotions are our habits. Like I call it your emotional home. We all have a habit of a few emotions. We are doing them all the time. And people I realized have a pattern of like, no matter what's going on in their life, whether it's a traumatic situation, a joyous situation, whatever it is, they'll always find a way to get back to the emotions that they're, that they have a habit of doing. And so when I realized this, I was realizing, okay, wait, if people are habitually doing their emotions, this has to be related to their to their uh, relationships as well, because the way we feel, right, is going to determine how we react or respond or behave. And that's going to affect our relationship because we're in this cybernetic loop with the other human being, right? Like, if I'm mean, you have to respond to my meanness. If I'm loving, you have to respond differently just to stay connected to me. So I realize, okay, 
not only are our emotions our habits, we're just doing them unconsciously. We don't even realize that. We've been taught almost that they they happen to us or they come to us, as opposed to no, we you know we get triggered in the environment, but then we find a way to get there no matter what because it's comforting. It's our home. And when we bring that to relationship, we have the same ways of responding, the same ways of uh, making evaluations in our head uh, to get towards like a decision that we're going to make. We have habits of beliefs, habits of uh, emotions, habits of thoughts, habits of communicating that lead to the quality of our relationship as well. And we don't even notice. Sometimes I'll have people, men and women, they come up to me and they say, Tyler, you know, like, uh, you know, I do everything for him or her and they give me nothing in return. You know, why should I do this if they don't even do that? And they don't even realize that the way that they're communicating and the way that they're uh, using their emotions is making this person on the defense to need, to need to react in a certain way. And so I'm all about finding what are the habits that are creating the results you're getting in your life, whether it be relationship or somewhere else, what are the habits of emotions and the way that you're being, you're behaving all the time that are creating your results? Because if we can get to the belief systems you have that are creating these emotions, you can change anything else in your life because it's going to uh, change the way that you're behaving, thus your results. I, I mean, that makes total sense. And I mean, that that idea, it's not even new. It's its thousands of years old, you know, like the practice of Vipassana is pretty much all about that. Like, I'm not, I'm not a meditation teacher, so I'm not going to say this like necessarily authoritatively, but when I took my, you know, first Vipassana course, like, and I'm listening to the lectures on you know, you know, Sankaras, which sounds really mystical, right? And I was like, oh, he's talking about habitual reactions. Like that's yes. even the analogy that he used for them is the same analogy psychologists use for brain pathways. Like, oh, you know, if water is going through a channel and it keeps going over and over, it gets deeper and deeper and it takes longer to undo it. I was like, wow, I think I heard that in Psych 101. Okay, this was, someone thought of this like a couple thousand years ago and he <laughs> up with this genius method for undoing these habitual reactions in our brains. So right. what you're saying is like a hundred percent, like it's not intuitive to those of us who grew up in this culture in at least the typical way people grow up in our culture. It's not intuitive at all, but it's extremely scientific and it's not a new idea. It's it's mm -hmm. the, the test of time. So I, I'm 100% with you on that. Um, and, and it's so important. Um, but then, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, I know I have this reaction or I get triggered or whatever. And I'm like trying not to, but it, it keeps happening. Like I get it on an intellectual level, but I still have that internal experience. You know, I don't know how to turn that off. It's like, I want to, I understand, but it's not actually... It, you know, it's like it, the intellectual, my intellectual understanding and beliefs aren't really um, in line with my emotional reactions or whatever. Um, so how do you actually change that so quickly? Right. So, so great question. So uh, to give some context to this, because I know some listeners might be like, whoa, 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 slow down. Like, how do I even like, I just getting the fact that like I'm doing my emotions. What does that even mean? So just a quick on that. And then I'll absolutely explain that too. We have to think about it in this term, okay? So we're taught nowadays, everything's a chemical imbalance and a disorder and an illness. Those three things I hear so often and I'm breaking people's beliefs of them as they come to work with me or my audience or whatnot, right? So in quick terms, let's think about it this way. I said, we do our emotions. I'm gonna explain this in just real quick terms. So think about this for a second. Think of the amount of things around you that you could be focusing on at once. And I don't mean like just like, 
oh, that there's a box right there and a frit. I mean, like the level of stimulus coming into the nervous system, right? Like coming into our senses all the time. I guarantee, even if someone is in a quiet room right now, if they listen for like listen really hard, you can hear something. Even if it's like the humming of your fridge, there's things that you're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can so, but that that's a perfect example, right? So we have five senses. And if we were to sense, if we were to literally pick up all the sounds, all the, like the feeling of against your skin, like if we were to pick up all the senses at the same time, all the time, while trying to maintain a conversation, we would literally go crazy. You, like you wouldn't, you'd be like out of your mind because there'd be too much coming in to process. So what our brain has to do is generalize, delete, and distort all of it pretty much. So yeah. there's, I think the statistic was that there's about 2 million bits of information coming in at once. And anyone, by the way, if you want to understand more about this, go look up neuro-linguistic programming and it'll explain everything I'm about to. That's obviously one of the things I studied. But there's 2 million bits of information coming into our senses at once, okay? But because the brain would literally go banana sandwich, literally, um, <laughs> if, you were to pro- if you were to try to process all of that, um, we have to delete and distort and generalize so much of it so we can even make sense of our world. So without going too scientific and even how that works, now that that kind of makes a little bit of sense, I'll tell you, we all have patterns of focus, okay? We have patterns of focus on what's in our control or what's out of our control. The past, the present, or the future. You know, what we have or what's missing. And so if you think about this, all these things are happening at once, right? All of these senses are being, you know, uh, all these different things are coming into our senses at once. And we have to distort, delete, generalize all of it to make sense of our world. Well, we all have patterns of what we're uh, deleting, distorting, and generalizing. That's where the pattern of like, okay, you focus on the past, the present, the problem, the solution. Like, what, what are your, what's your pattern of focus? With that being said, focus equals feeling. Like if you focus on something long enough, like if you focus on a memory, you focus on something that might happen in the future, you focus on something bad that happened a couple minutes ago, right? What's wrong is always there. And if you focus on it, you're going to feel it. Like in two seconds, you'll feel it because your biochemistry is going to switch, right? But so is what's right. What's right's always available as well. What's right, what's good, what's happy, what's positive in nature. You could have just been in a car accident and have a big ass bruise on your leg. Like that's like a mini example, you could have like a big trauma on your leg, but if your pattern of focus is to focus on, okay, well, like what can I do right now to help myself or help other people? And you don't focus on like the pain of it. You will literally experience something different than pain because you, you can only feel what you're focused on. Like physiologically, your nervous system can only process and bring up to the brain what you decide to stop deleting, stop generalizing, and stop distorting. So I know I said I wasn't going to go too scientific, but that was pretty scientific. So in terms of breaking the habit, okay, (laughs) first, you got to realize you, my friends, me, her, we're all doing our emotions. And I only told you one piece of it because I don't want to go into the whole thing right now. It's a lot. But by what we're focusing on, that's a big one. So if you can realize, oh, shit, okay, I do focus on, you know, more than negative, but there is positive in my life. I have, I'm breathing. I have a son. I have a beautiful daughter. I have work. Like I live in a first world country. Like, there's so many things. I'm just randomly saying things, but if you realize, Oh shit, I do have a pattern of focusing on what's missing or what's wrong or my past or, you know, what may happen in the future that could be bad. I do have a pattern of that. That's the first thing you got to notice. Just bring it to your conscious, right? That sounds, I want to use as, 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 most grounded or watered down languages I can. Cause I know when I first learned this, I had to slow it down too. So if you bring what 
you're not even really noticing and you just make yourself aware of it. That's what unconscious to conscious means. So if you just make yourself aware, like, oh shit, okay, I see it's a pattern. Great. Now that you see it's a pattern, all you have to do, and no psychologists seem to tell you this, but I'll tell you right now, people are doing it all around the world who are uh, who understand this work. You have to interrupt that pattern of focus immediately. The second you think of, uh, say you think of, um, I don't know, that, shit, my boss, you know, yelled at me last night, or, oh, I had a bad date yesterday. Therefore I, it means, you know, I'm not worthy or whatever it is. You had a bad date. Let's use that. You can keep focusing on the bad date, or you can, a second you go to it, you can just stop focusing on it right away and just actually find something in your brain. Okay. Like I want to remember a better memory. And then you stack that one memory after another, after another, after another. And then it's not going to stop it right away. But the next time you think about that bad date, right? Then again, you stop it and you think of other things. Eventually what your brain is doing, because we're always making neuro connections, right? Which means connections in the brain. And this is how we attach things, right? So for example, uh, you learn that the word love, we all have an association to what the word love means to us, right? I say love and you don't think, oh, I hate that. No, you think like, oh, like the cute and the fuzzies and stuff. So we have an automatic association to the word love, right? Your brain does the same thing in terms of thoughts and feelings and shit like that. So I know I'm so professional with my language, but (laughs) you think about it. So now you think about the date and when you have consciously been like, oh, bad day. Oh no. Okay. This good memory, this good memory, this good memory, this good memory. And you stack that eventually if you do it four or five times your brain is going to start to it'll go to that uh date and it'll automatically go the other way because you're creating a new neuro connection right like if i were to do this i'll I'll use this as another metaphor right so if you if i if if i started doing this and the entire time i spoke to you nicola the entire time i spoke to you by the way for anyone who's listening on the podcast i'm moving my finger up and down so if i were to do this the entire time that we were on this podcast, which would probably be like six hours if we kept the rate going, right? <laughs> and I just didn't stop. And I kept going. I'm not kidding you because of how the nervous system works and how the body works. When I just, you know, put my hand down or whatever, it would eventually just start doing that by itself. It would, because it's so conditioned. Every time you do this, a neural pathway has been created. So the more you do that, the more, the thicker it gets. And it becomes like a highway versus just like a dirt road. So your brain goes there way easier because it's a pattern. So what you need to do, realize you're doing it. The second that you do it, you go, oh shit. And then you do anything else, but you've got to consciously notice it and then break the pattern. So let's pretend I was doing this and I wanted to stop it and do this one. Not that you would do that, but just for the point, <laughs> if I was like this, I can't just like consciously be like, no, and stop because eventually just stop. Stop. You, you have to catch it and do something else mm-hmm. to create a new neural pathway. So you're breaking the neural pathway and creating a new one. So you can do this very, very quickly. Like I know um, to get rid of a phobia of spiders, there's more, more into this one, into uh, to phobias, but it's the same thing. I had a phobia of spiders. So anytime I'd see a spider, my body would have an automatic association of like, holy shit. But now when I see them, it's neutral because I broke the pattern of association in a similar, a little bit different, but a similar way I was just explaining. You consciously get it and you redirect it. And now when I look at spiders, it's not like, oh, it's so cute. No, they're still disgusting, but now it's neutral. I don't have that like crazy reaction. So you break your emotional or relationship patterns by consciously realizing, oh, that's the pattern I keep doing. This is not me. It's not a diagnosis or an illness or a disorder or a chemical imbalance. I'm sure there's other labels I'm missing. It's a pattern that I'm doing with my focus. I'm focusing on something. 
Second, you notice the pattern, you focus on it, go somewhere else, go somewhere else, go somewhere else. And eventually you'll just go that place automatically because your brain knows that that's where you got to go after having this thought. Like, <laughs> it's like, sometimes I swear talking to you, it's like, am I talking to myself? Um, like, I, I mean, what you just said, it, it, like you, you don't feed, you choose what you're going to feed, right? Like you random things can pop up in your heads, but you choose either to feed it and help it grow or to feed something else. Yes. And so if you're conscious about what you're choosing to feed, then that other thing is going to grow. And over time you get better at it. Like it's a freaking skill people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, you know, like you listen to this podcast and then later you're going to get rid of like the deepest <laughs> by trying it one time. It is a skill, but as you the other, it, you can, you can yeah. get better at feeding the other one, redirecting and interrupting these things faster and faster. Absolutely. And, and the other thing I wanted to mention about that too, is I was saying, you know, interrupt the pattern. What's also really useful is to realize that until you, uh, until you, I was going to say anger, but I'm trying to use watered down language here. Until you attach or associate pain to a current pattern, a current behavior, smoking, a current behavior, yelling at your kids, a current behavior, um, attracting bad dates. Cause yes, that is a, that is a bit, that is a pattern. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So if, if you notice that you can't just try to break the pattern and redirect it, you can do that with thoughts. That's a thought one. There's no, you don't, you don't need to anchor, uh, attach pain to it right away. You don't need to attach pain and switch the thoughts. You can just redirect in terms of the actual habits of like emotion and behaviors. The reason we keep doing them is because they're fulfilling us. They're meeting needs. Even if it like the results are destructive, they're meeting our needs, our survival needs. That's why we keep doing it. So what you need to do is if you try to break that pattern, you'd break it for a minute. And even if it actually started working, eventually you'd go back because your brain knows that's a way to meet my needs for comfort, for variety, for, you know, to feel really important or special, to feel needed. Like I'm going through them a little bit here, but we can do that like another time. But when it starts to meet our needs, it's going to be hard to break. You can break it, but what you first have to do, you have to realize, not just realize that there's no such thing as pain or pleasure on something until we decide that it's going to give us pain or pleasure. That's a decision, by the way. It's not just like it happens to you. You have to decide, Oh, I like that. Or I don't, we have to um, attach enough pain to a behavior. What it's what I call leverage. You have to attach enough pain to an emotion or behavior before you can change it. Because if you try to change something, if you love smoking, like if you, if that genuinely, you genuinely enjoy it, you're not going to be able to break it because your brain, no matter what good tool you use, your brain's going to go, no, dude, like dickhead. I actually enjoy that. Stop, stop doing that. Like I enjoy this. You have to get to the point, like say, let's say it's smoking. You have to get to the point where you're like, this is disgusting. I hate, and these are, this isn't my language. I'm just saying like, this is just like the kind of, the kind of place you have to get to is like where you associate to a behavior or an emotion. Like I hate this. This is how it's destroying my relationships. This is how it's destroying my health. This is how it's destroying, you know, my own um, identity of who I am. Whatever your leverage point is, you get enough leverage. Now you can break it without a problem. And the more leverage you have or the more leverage or pain associations, same thing, the more leverage you have on yourself, the easier it'll be to break. I've seen it before where I've helped clients get so much leverage on themselves. They didn't need to break the pattern. That, that did break the pattern. They're like, God, oh, they're like, I can't do this anymore. And I gave them something to do. And they just skipped over the pattern thing, the pattern breaking, because they didn't need to. It already broke their pattern to be associating so much pain to this that they're like, no, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Didn't need to break the pattern. 
No, hundred percent. And even just with like the fitness and nutrition coaching I do, the order in which I introduce things is very methodical and intentional. And it probably seems random to people, but I introduce things based on what's most likely to help someone feel results first, not lose weight, not be able to lift 300 pounds, feel results first, because that's on on a very subconscious emotional level, right? Absolutely. Once a person does something and then they fall off the wagon and they feel like crap. And this is like a turning point. I tell all my clients about when we talk about habit formation, once you fall off the wagon and feel like crap, that's it. Like it becomes so much easier after that. You know? Yes. That's the pattern interruption. It's like, and then they uh, talk about even with them, you know, like when people come and they're like, you know, oh, I want to lose weight. I want to be like, have more confidence. It's like your why, if it's just about how you look, I find that that's rarely strong enough for people. And it has to go back to how they feel because if it's just how they look, most people, they're not going to be motivated enough by that to deal with the discomfort until all of a sudden those habits that cause them to be out of shape or unhealthy are more uncomfortable. And so, and and even like when you think about like having a a regimen, right? Like if, so when we talk about taking care of yourself, right? Um, If you are doing it because you hate your body, you're not going to want to do these things because every time you exercise or make a healthy meal, you're associating it with hating yourself. You know, it's like they, if you get a, 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 I don't know what, what are the cars people like to drive now? I'm in New York city. I don't have a car, <laughs> Like you know, if you have your, I don't know, Corvette, that's like, that's like, a, I feel like that's like a, like a 1990s kind of car to be cool. <laughs> if you have 10, your, years, 10 years ago, BMW, I thought that's the one people like BMW. Same. All right. So if you have, if you have a BMW, you're going to be like, Oh my God, I want to wash my BMW. Oh my God. I have to take it for like an oil change at like 2,999 miles and all this stuff. I got to get it detailed. If you have a hoopty, you're like, ah, crap. I got to fix this thing again. I'm not going to wash that thing. Forget it. It's like, it's a whole different experience you yes. have based on how you see it. And so everything you're saying resonates so much because it is absolutely integral, even though we have totally different work, it's absolutely integral. To what a thousand percent. <laughs> and you know why? And you know why? Because all change, no matter what you're doing, this is why, this is why I tell people I'm performance coach, like performance just means essentially whatever your habits are that are getting in the way of your quality of life whether your relationship, whether you fucking, you can't even stand yourself because you annoy yourself with how you feel all the time or your body. Like I know, I I won't even lie. I know barely anything about health and fitness. I have a coach for that myself. But what I do know is if you came to me, um, I could help you get in better shape or at least lose weight or whatever, just by changing what you associate to eating a lot of crap. Like just because it's all like my work is essentially what's behind everything. Right. So that's why you can relate so much. And like this, is, I'm not making this about me. That's just because these are the fundamentals of change. We have to uh, have enough pain linked to the thing we're currently doing, which is what you just talked about, like the the uh, the the BMW metaphor. Like we have to have enough pain linked to something, break the pattern of what we're currently doing and then trade it for a better thing. And as long as that is conditioned, like you do it over and over and over again until it meets your needs, 
you change. It's not doesn't take long. Uh, one of the one of the examples I wanted to give to your your audience, um, and maybe you've experienced this too. I know most of us have. People always tell me, "Change, Tyler. Change can't happen overnight." And I laugh so hard. I'm like, "You want to talk about change happening overnight that you may or may not have experienced? If you haven't, somebody listen. Pardon me. If whoever's listening to this right now, if you haven't experienced what I'm about to say, you know at least three to five people who have. That's how common this example is. I, that's why I love using it. To anyone listening right now, if you can hear my voice, have you had a moment where you drank so much of your favorite alcohol? You're, you, were, you loved it so much. And you went out to a party one night and you drank way more of this particular alcohol than you ever thought you possibly could in your life. But you loved it. You loved it. You're having a great night. And then that night you had an experience of like the worst volatile, like, puking of your whole life it made you feel like absolute crap i guarantee if you if this hasn't happened to you it's happened to one of your one three to five of your friends or at least people you know in your social networks and they do not drink that alcohol anymore because even the thought of it the smell of it the title of it was i have jp weiser's up there if that happened with like they hear the name and they go oh because it's pain linked to that thing. Enough pain linked to anything. Enough pain linked to toxic men. Enough pain linked to being a dick yourself why you can't get dates. Enough pain linked to alcohol, to you know, treating your body unhealthily, to um, you know, enough pain to being kind of broke, like enough pain to even you know, making just enough to survive. If even that becomes painful enough, you can make any amount of money you want. But to change any behavior or any result you're getting, health, relationship, emotion, let's stick to that for the moment because that's what you and I do. As long as you associate enough pain to the current thing you're doing, you can change in a effing heartbeat. I love it. I love it. Um, you know what? Let's wrap there, but we're going to pick this up again. Um, we're going to have another episode where we go deep into trauma and then I'll probably need a third episode to be able to get into all the relationship and dating stuff, but we will do it, people. We absolutely will. Um, so yes. Tyler, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you everyone for listening to Badass Moms, again, brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. If you are a holistic practitioner or if you're looking for a holistic practitioner, make sure you check out the Holistic Therapies Directory and see how they can help you get what you want. Spread the word about the wonderful work you're doing or find someone in your area who can meet your needs. And of course, make sure you check out superbusymommycoach.com dot com and tyler where can they find you, you can go on instagram at at tyler or on my facebook as well at the same thing tyler charlebois let's spell that out c-a-r-l-e-b-o-i-s <laughs> yes my mother did not give me or god whoever you want to call it did not give me an easy name no, no, absolutely not. All right. Awesome. Um, so we will see you all on the next episode of Badass Moms when we will be diving deep into trauma and victim mentality. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. You're welcome. Hi, Super Busy Mommies. Nicole Cruz here, Super Busy Mommy Coach. If you're a single mom or a mom facing hardship, it can be impossible to find uninterrupted time for a workout let alone to prepare healthy meals, meditate, and get quality sleep. And all the motivational memes in the world telling you to push harder and make time won't change that fact. And that's where I come in. How do you reach high levels of fitness when you don't have any uninterrupted time for workouts? How do you prepare healthy meals when you're more likely to end up wearing food by the end of the day than actually eating it? 
And how do you practice mindfulness when you get climbed on every time you try to sit still? These are some of the questions I answer for the absolutely badass moms I work with who are stopped by nothing. Pick my brain and find out more at superbusymommycoach.com. You've been listening to Badass Moms. Join us again and get your badass on. 